Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 119, Chasten. The miracle of the Book of Mormon is that you can never read this book of scripture and feel that it's not absolutely applicable to your circumstances you're going through. It is the revealed word of God for our days. And I don't believe it's an accident that it is the scripture that we are studying this year united as a church so intimately during the year 2020. No accidents. And today we're going to add another layer to what we already know about God and how he brings about his purposes among us. We've touched on a few layers before, how we've seen the Lord, how he gives his children space to learn and to figure things out and to fix their mistakes with the use of his atonement. And we've highlighted how he is merciful. He treats us better than we deserve by not rushing to judgment and patiently waiting for us to course correct and to turn our ships around. So they're going back towards him. And today we're going to add another layer. And though it it might at first sound contradictory, it's not. All the other layers go hand in hand perfectly with one another. Just this one sometimes is a little harder to accept, a little harder to have the eternal perspective about. In Mosiah chapter 23, verse 21, we deepen our understanding of God's perfection, about his own patience and his purposes. When we include that another way that the Lord prepares his people is that he chastens them. It reads, that he seeth fit to chasten his people, yea, he trieth their patience and their faith. Why? (laughs) And how can he be both merciful and patient, but still chasten us as well? Especially when we're trying. We're trying to be good. We're trying to put off the natural man and choose him. So I decided to look up the definition of chasten, and I wasn't surprised to see the word punishment there. That's what I normally think of when I think of the word chasten. But also, other ways to describe chasten is to purify and to refine and subdue. And to me, that does sound like God's work. That sounds like something that he's willing to take the long game approach on, And have us go through so that we can become purified, refined, and subdued. But why bondage? And after his people had already covenanted with him, and they had changed their hearts, they had repented, they had a fresh view. The Lord had warned the people of Alma, remember? The army of Noah was going to come upon them, and so the Lord warned Alma, and they gathered up their flocks and grain, and they left. They listened. And for eight days they traveled, the Lord strengthening them the entire time until they found a place of pure water and a pleasant land. And then they did what they always do, especially when they're right with the Lord. They pitched their tents and they got to work. They tilled the ground and they built buildings and they were industrious and they worked hard. 
And all the while, they're keeping his commandments. They're loving their neighbors as themselves. And they had just men to be their priests and their teachers. They didn't have a king, no. For the Lord had told them that no man should be esteemed higher than the other. And besides, they had lived with a wicked king before, so they knew what could happen. So even though they initially wanted Alma to be their king, they followed his and the Lord's counsel because it was sound and it was good. And so all was going well. But then one day while they're tilling their land, an army of Lamanites came into the borders of their land. It was that same army of Lamanites that had gone after the people of Limhi that we talked about last week, remember? And the army had lost the tracks of the people of Limhi after a couple of days of pursuing them. And the army had been wandering around for a few days in the wilderness, getting lost and not knowing their way back to the land of Nephi. Interestingly, though, guess who they did find? Yeah, the priests of Noah. And so that they wouldn't be destroyed because remember, the Lamanites had a bone to pick with these wicked men. Well, the priests had their wives, aka the Lamanite daughters, go forward and plead with the army to not destroy them. And the Lamanites had compassion upon them and they didn't destroy them. So while wandering, the Lamanites also came upon the people of Alma and the people were afraid and they fled their fields and they gathered into the city for protection. And Alma exhorted them that they should not be frightened, but they should remember God and he will deliver them. Remarkably, that's exactly what the people of Alma did. They followed Alma, their high priest, and they quieted their fears. What does that look like? How many of you have your fear buttons being pressed right now? Quieting fears, remembering God. How do we do that? I can tell you what I do in coaching. I've mentioned it before, and that is to simply observe your fears. Question them. Is this a fear of failure or is this a fear of loss? Ask yourself the next time you're afraid, am I afraid that I'm failing and just messing up really bad? (laughs) That my worth is on the line? That what is about to happen or is happening right now is for some reason causing me to think that I'm going to be seen as less than and that my life isn't going to be as good as it should be or as good as other people's lives are and I'm messing up. There's something fundamentally wrong with me. Life isn't going the right way or I don't have the right things or I don't look the right way or whatever the other things you are that you feel you're inferior Observe that fear and then question all of it. Kick yourself out of the reactive part of your makeup and get into the governing part of you where logic and strength reside. Ask yourself, where does my worth come from? And ask yourself, do you believe it comes from God? And if it does, then what does he say about your worth? He says it's great in his sight, unchanging. You are always 100% of worth to him. And no one has been given the power to take that away or to change your status 
Not even you are that powerful to do that. Remember, his purpose is to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. We have great worth in his eyes. And wonder if it's a fear of loss, that something is going to be taken away from you. Either your safety, your comfort, your time. So many things, right? Your your good name. It could be so many things. What if it means that your life isn't going to go as it should in your mind and and the good life is going to be taken away from you or held from you, leaving you in a deficit and lacking? And instead of abundance, you're feeling scrappy, right? How do you quiet all of this chatter? I love the teachings of Kim Giles. I've mentioned her before, but she teaches the belief that life is the perfect classroom and that practicing that thought, that nothing has gone wrong and everything is as it should be, it can be reassuring and it can help validate that part that is fearful, it's losing. And it's also remembering, remembering the characteristics of God, that he is the creator and the upholder of all things, period. He is merciful. He is full of grace. He is abundant in goodness, and he is slow to anger. He is unchanging. He is not a respecter of persons. He is truth, and he is love. These characteristics and remembering them can help bump you out of fear and allow you to be able to place your trust in him. And if you desire to practice this, I suggest writing down all of your thoughts. Just dump them out. (laughs) Put them all on paper. And I know for some of you that can be scary, but just do it. Don't judge yourself. Just write it all out so that they're not slippery and still slipping around in your mind. And then look at them, face them. Some of them, you're going to just know that They just don't have any power. Some of them you're going to realize, wow, this one is playing a number on me. But I want you to go thought by thought and assign, is this fear of failure or is this fear of loss? And then start questioning those thoughts and comparing it to what you know to be true about God. And your fears will be quieted. You won't feel like they have so much power over you. You might even have your mind opened up to just a little idea of what you can do to be able to move forward. And a lot of it has to do with, I'm just not going to be afraid. That's what we work on. You'll realize that these thoughts and fears, they just can't stack up when it's compared to your faith. And that, my friends, is putting your faith in Jesus Christ into action. So the people of Alma hushed their fears and they remembered God. They cried unto him, asking him to soften the hearts of the Lamanites. And then they went out before their enemies and they delivered themselves up to them. This is so different compared to the people of Limhi. Remember how it took them three attempts before they subjected and submitted themselves to their enemies. Their inclination was to fight because truthfully, that's how they had been resolving all of their conflicts in their lives leading up to this point. They were split among themselves, 
fighting and plotting. The people of Alma departed from them in order to be safe from the people of Noah. And they were attempting to kill their king. Then they let him go. Then they killed him later on. And then they're busy hunting down the priests. There was just so much contention amongst them that of course they wouldn't treat their enemies any better or they wouldn't have any other solution come to their mind than vengeance and death. But among the people of Alma, who had eliminated all of that contention, they were united. They had knitted their hearts together. They were caring for each other. I believe they felt strong in their numbers together. I don't believe they were strong as far as how many they had, but they were strong in numbers because they were united. They trusted each other. They loved each other. They felt safe and secure that they had each other's back. And now as they faced their enemies, they trusted in God's way, God's way of humility. So they began with submitting and subjecting themselves. And I do not believe that that's the easy path to go. But when people are acting in faith and being strengthened and sanctified by their Lord, they don't take the easy way. And at first, everything was looking okay. They find out that the Lamanites were just lost and needed direction back. The Lamanites even promised the people of Alma their lives and their liberty if they would help them get back to the land of Nephi. So Alma gave them instructions on how to get back. I should say directions. He helped to give them directions. But the Lamanites didn't keep their promise, but instead placed guards around the city of Helam. That's the land that the people of Alma were living in. Isn't that interesting? They did not name it the land of Alma. I just think that's interesting. And the Lamanites, they're able to make their way back to the city of Nephi following Alma's directions. But they get the families of the guards and then they relocate them back at the city of Helam. And to add some more layers to the situation, the Lamanite king made Amulon the king and ruler over Helam. And notice I said Amulon, not Alma. Amulon was one of the priests of Noah that the Lamanites found. (laughs) Can you believe it? Amulon was the leader amongst the priests and he remembered Alma. He remembered that Alma had believed Abinadi. And he remembered that Alma had been chased off and Amulon hated Alma. Amulon and his brethren had gained favor with the king of the Lamanites, King Laman. And they were able to be put in a position to teach the Lamanites many things, like the language of the Nephites and how to keep records. And they were able, because of the knowledge that they gave the Lamanites, they were able to grow the people to be more sophisticated in their business dealings with one another. Because frankly, the Lamanites were good to one another. It was their hatred towards their brethren, the Nephites, that caused them to delight in plundering and murdering their enemies. But to each other, they were a decent people. And so Amulon actually did a lot for the Lamanites. And they saw his worth. And the Lamanite king gave him a ruling position over the land of Helam. Of course, Amulon and his brethren didn't bother to teach the Lamanites anything about God or about Abinadi's words. But you can see 
how some groundwork was laid by these men by teaching the Lamanites. And from what we know what will happen in the Book of Mormon, I can't help but think this was God's way of allowing seeds to be planted so that some so that some very worthy and faithful missionaries can come in, the sons of Mosiah, and think of the success that they will have later on when they share the gospel. Perhaps these efforts and workings of very selfish men actually laid some pretty fantastic seeds to allow huge numbers to be baptized and to come unto God. So back to Alma. Amulon persecuted the people of Alma, exercising authority over them, placing heavy tasks upon the people with taskmasters to watch over them. He even taught his children to persecute the children of Alma. And he even stopped the people's vocal prayers by placing guards around to watch them and threatening them with death if they prayed. Which, by the way, think about the children. Was Alma the Younger alive at this point? And if so, how was he processing all of this? What impact did that persecution, both from the children of Amulon and then also the persecution of the church, how did that influence his rebellion and anger towards the church? I don't know. It's just, it's just interesting to make those connections and better understand the humanity that's happening here in the scriptures. So up until this point, you might ask, where is God? Because despite all of this, the people still prayed to him. They poured out their hearts and the Lord knew their thoughts. Though God sees fit to chasten his people, he does not abandon his children that remember him. He chastens his people to see if they will trust him. And if they do, they will be lifted up at the last day. He chastens them so that they can be witnesses of him, giving them the privilege of witnessing his power. Because in this case, just like in the case of the people of Limhi, there was no one who was going to be able to deliver them except for the Lord. He chastens them so that they can know of a surety that he is God and that he visits them in their afflictions. And you know, I think he chastens them so that they can practice, so that we can practice keeping his commandments even when it's hard. It's easy to keep the commandments when everything's going good. It's easy to love people when they're nice. (laughs) But what about when they're not? What about when you feel alone? Do you still pray? Do you still fast? Do you still serve? It's in those moments when we're being chastened that how we show up is a reflection of, well, how we're doing, right? It's like a temperature test. So while the people of Alma performed their tasks and endured the persecution, the Lord blessed them. Can you imagine how pleased he was with his children? They had made covenants with him to serve and obey him. They had worked hard amongst themselves to develop unity and harmony and basking in the blessings and the tender mercies of the Lord that come with doing so. 
And when the pressure was put upon them, when they were faced with their enemy and with afflictions, did his people forget them? Did they turn away from what they had been taught and embrace and take up their old ways? Did they forget him? No. They continued seeking after him, emulating the name that they took upon themselves. They submitted themselves spiritually, physically unto him. And because a covenant is a two-way promise, the Lord could not be stopped from keeping his. He eased their burden so much that they didn't feel the weight. He strengthened them so that they could bear up their burdens with ease, helping the people to submit cheerfully and to wait patiently upon the Lord for what the next step would be. And though we do not know how long they waited, we do know that the next step came. And I love the words of the Lord that came unto them. Be of good comfort, for on the morrow I will deliver you out of bondage. Can you imagine receiving such a witness? The validation that you endured well, and it's enough. The Lord has chastened you, and you have reached the sufficient level of purification, refinement, and humility, and it pleases Him, and He's ready to deliver you. Now, what I love about this part of the story that makes the people of Alma different than the people of Limhi is that the people of Alma, they just needed to prepare their flocks and their grains and families during the night. And then in the morning, that's when the Lord caused a deep sleep to come upon the Lamanites. Allowing the people of Alma to walk out of their city, out of their land, in broad daylight. (laughs) Stunning. These children of his, who had once been rebellious, and the consequences for their behavior was not spared from them. They were living the fulfillment of prophecy that Abinadi said would happen. They didn't escape it or run away from it. But when they were faced with it, they humbled themselves and they repented of their wickedness. And the Lord led them out by the light of the sun, both the one in the sky and the beloved one. And he even stopped the Lamanites once they began pursuing so that no harm would come upon the people of Alma. And I contribute this extra strength and protection that was given to them because not only had they done well during this period of chastisement, but then they paused in the middle of fleeing and they gave thanks to God. And how could he not intervene on their behalf? So, learn, liken, and lift. There's quite a bit here to appreciate and to apply to our situation today. For example, COVID has been nasty physically, economically, politically, emotionally, mentally, and even spiritually. And we might feel the ramifications for a long time. 
after all of us have received a vaccine. Many right now feel not only grief by its effects, but there's also a feeling of oppression and bondage that has affected many. Some of us have been blessed with good leaders, and some of us mistrust our leaders' motives, feeling that we're being ruled over and not governed. And then there are some of us who vacillate between the two ends, right? There are some of us who have become angry, divisive even. They're so eloquent and they sway our thoughts and feelings and stir us up to anger. However you may feel about the many, many viewpoints of our current circumstance, or feel free to insert any trial that you are personally struggling through. The trial that you're just trying to keep your head above water. I ask you to pause here and make an intentional decision. Because we see two groups of people similar in everything except their swiftness to remember God. And not only to remember Him, but to remember all that He said. And to remember what his ways are. Not the natural man's ways, but his ways. And there's nothing more that any of us want right now than to let God prevail in these moments when we are struggling and hurting. We want to be able to have it all work out for our good. We don't want to feel like failures. And we want everything to turn out right in the end. We don't want to feel loss. We want him to be involved in the details, guiding, directing, strengthening, and sanctifying us. So make an intentional decision. And I encourage you to pattern yourself after the people of Alma. Quiet your fears and remember God. Go forth and Submit yourself to the enemy. Now, what do I mean by that? (laughs) I mean spiritually submit. Let God prevail and choose to undergo the purifying, refining, and subduing process that extreme challenges in our life present us. And then, if you're going through this process, you'll know because the Spirit has revealed it to you. You'll know what you must do. It will feel right and it will feel good and it will have his blessing attached to it. I'm asking you to exercise your faith. We see that there are times in which covenant people who love the Lord and who are doing all the right things, we see that sometimes they are brought into bondage. We see from Alma's people, however, that if they remember God, Quiet their fears. Act in good faith. Keep uniting in prayer, faith, and ministering to one another. That the Lord cannot be held back from remembering his covenant with his people. He can make our burdens light. Not by taking them away, but strengthening his children to be capable of handling it with cheerfulness even. We also see that he will give his children the time that they need as they become stronger and wiser, as they learn to love more deeply, 
as they are purified and even refined, gifting them with the good gifts he has to offer to help them in this growing process, to make all their suffering work to their good. And when it is finished, when he has prepared them to the point that they need to be, he'll deliver them. He'll reveal the way. He'll make the enemy sleep and even stop its pursuit. He'll lead us out in broad daylight miraculously while we pass by the sleeping taskmasters and persecutors. We will have been prepared and will be a people of greater, more active faith after all of this if we allow the Lord to work his wonder among us. Is there any wonder why President Nelson has been a uniter, (laughs) uniting us in prayer, uniting us in fasting, uniting us in expressing gratitude, and uniting us in worshiping Jesus Christ? So I ask you, let us spiritually subject, submit, and subdue ourselves to his chastening so that he can work his miracle in us. Sister Scriptorians, I want to express my gratitude in being united with you, in learning the Word of God, in learning how to liken it to ourselves, so that we can lift our chins and be able to lead in faith and come unto our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I hope that as you submit yourself to the Lord and His ways, that his miracles will work among you. Please reach out and let me know how it's going.